So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm Terry Lin here, and back with Travis Marziani. And today we are going to talk about paid advertising, uh, getting started, and some of the mindset blocks that uh, keep people from starting, including me and some other store owners I've talked to lately. So, the premise of this episode came uh, just a few days ago when I was talking to Vincent over at WearPanda.com, where they sell bamboo eco sunglasses, and we were talking about how we don't like doing paid ads because you have to lose money to learn. And I think this is a big problem for a lot of people, probably not just us. Uh, I think Travis is a big advocate of paid ads. So today we're going to talk about uh, how he got started and kind of the platforms he uses and the learning curve of uh, teaching yourself paid ads. And should this be even something you'd be teaching yourself? Or should you hire someone else to do it? Or uh, what are the other solutions out there too? But before we start, uh, Travis, what's up with you? Well, this month, January has been a record month for us. Uh, only a couple thousand dollars more than I think November, but still it's been awesome just to, to see another record being set. And another thing actually that I recently found out that I want to share with everybody is that your credit card, the rate that you're getting from your credit cards or PayPal, it can change. So now that we're making more money and revenue, I called up my credit card company and they're looking and they're like, wow, you're paying way too much in fees. You need to, uh, we'll, we'll set you up with a plan so you're paying less fees. Yeah, there was a startup I saw called foundersgrid.com where basically it's bundled discounts. Uh, one of our fellow DCers friends runs it and basically he gets like Zendesk, Shopify, uh, Stripe to give you perks. And basically one of the big perks was if you use Stripe, uh, you get the first thousand dollars of fees waived even if, even if you have an existing account. So it's worth the 50 bucks to join this Founders Grid too, so FY if you're looking for something like that. And I think Shopify, they give you like 60 days free instead of the usual 14 days. So kind of kind of low these ninja perks uh, you can see on Founders Grid too. That's really cool. Yeah, but I, I noticed a trend though, like ever since I got you on board, you keep having these record months. So I think there's like a correlation there, right? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working hard trying to figure out some things. Um, but actually another tip that I wanted to share with everybody that Fred at T Tortuga Backpacks shared with me via Twitter is a ninja way to get EDUs to link to you. And so the EDU domains, for those people that don't know, are college domains. And a link from one of those to your website is huge. And that's something I've been struggling with is how to get EDUs to link to you. And it's something after I get back from my Asia trip that I'm planning on doing. And we'll share this ninja tip at the end of the episode. And also shout out to Fred for attending the SF meetup. Uh, by the time this goes out, they probably have met already. So uh, hopefully it went well. And if you guys want to do meetups, uh, either let us know, Terry at buildmyonlinestore.com or just go to the forums. Uh, get a guest user there and you can look at the threads on who's the host, uh, where do we have them in your city and things like that. So uh, for me, uh, one thing interesting, I had lunch with Joe Magnotti over at Empire Flippers. Uh, dot com this week and we were talking about selling buying selling sites so they're looking for more sites to sell actually and i was asking him well usually when you think about selling a site you want to have say i don't know some kind of decent net profit right but turns out he's saying if you even if you have a site that has like 200 dollars a month in stable profits you can actually sell it for say 20 times that as a listing price so uh, if anyone out there has a site to sell, uh, you can shoot me an email and we, I can put you in touch with Joe. Just because I guess what they've done is they used to be a kind of a website broker model, but now they're moving to a marketplace where they're just putting buyers and sellers together. And uh, they're really looking for sites to sell. So if you got any sites uh, that are profitable, but maybe you don't want to manage anymore or you just want to get rid of them, uh, free your time up to do some other things, uh, Joe and them can certainly help you out. That's too. really interesting. So is it 20x? just flat or if you're a little bit bigger can you kind of negotiate or how does that work from what i've talked to him is just across the board listing price 
I don't know what they actually finish at. Maybe they might finish at like you know eighteen, nineteen, seventeen, depending on、um, the economics of the business. But usually, what they want is that they want the ninety days profit to be kind of on an upward trend, if not stable. Because if you're going downhill, it, the market's a lot harder for someone to buy, right? But there are people out there. He said that want to buy sites that they can tinker with. But when it's going down, it's a lot harder to sell for most people. And you're saying basically, if your revenue is growing at some rate and is profitable, like they can pretty much sell anything right now, just because the demand is so high. And I asked him, where does demand coming from? Well, he's saying a lot of people that have money that are in corporate jobs say they're like 35, 40, 45.、Uh, they're interested in this online thing, but don't have the experience. But they want to buy something that's already has a cash flow that they can then tinker with and then kind of figure. Uh, get to cut their teeth on instead of starting a brand new WordPress site or a Shopify site and learning everything from the ground up. You know that's interesting. That's something I could get involved with because twenty x like if it sells for let's say twenty x monthly profit, that means I'd be making money in two years. I could deal with that. Plus, I know what I'm doing, so I could probably increase it. Yeah, like if you had a site that was making you know a thousand bucks a month, you could basically get twenty k for that. If it if it all if everything works out right, which is not that bad at all. Then you can use that to do other stuff and. Who knows, right? Yeah. So the interesting thing he was saying is that there, he's been seeing people buying sites for say 10k as an experiment, but then they come back and they buy another site for like 30k. So it's interesting. A lot of the money out there that we probably don't have any idea about. Where I guess it's like real estate, right? People buy houses here and there, but they buy a small little condo just to test it out before they buy like a huge five bedroom house. So that is interesting. I'm gonna have to go check this out now. I might buy a site. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the thing is, they vet all the sites themselves versus Flippa, where kind of anyone can list. So to list your site on there, they do have a listing fee just to make sure that they filter out the legit sellers from the people that are posting stuff for fun. So、uh, if you have a site with a net profit that you want to get rid of,、uh, yeah, just let me know, and I can link you guys up with Joe over at Empire Flippers. Well, I think one of the biggest things is realize that paid ads is an investment, and one of the things I always love telling people is it's. It's about helping you define who your audience is and what keywords you should use. Because if you are going to be spending money on paid ads, you're definitely going to be figuring out who you should target your ads to, what keywords you should use, and all this information that you you probably aren't actually doing otherwise. Like maybe I'm sure you know that oh, if you own a business, you need to kind of do this. But once money's on the line, it's a different mindset, in my opinion. It's It changes from like, yeah, this would be a nice thing to know. To we need to know this now, and then you start to pick up little tips on what words are are really valuable, what keywords you should be paying for. So, what's an example of defining your audience and keywords then? Sure. So, for me, let's start with the defining your audience. With Facebook ads, for instance, you really need to know who your audience is. It's all about demographics. So, the first thing I had to do is think, okay, well, who is going to be buying from me? Okay, well, it's probably going to be mom, like moms that have daughters that dance. Okay, well, what kind of stuff are they interested in, and what age range is that? And then you start thinking, well, what other websites does someone in this age range and this demographics go to? And then it just kind of keeps going until you realize that. And then sometimes you might think at first, oh, I bet you twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old women with、uh, daughters are my key demographic. And then once you run the ads, you might say, no, 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 thirty-five、uh, to forty-five is where the money's at, and those are the kind of people I should really be making my website tailored for. So the key is you have multiple ad campaigns or ad groups to see, to compare against, right? Because I think a lot of people starting out, they just make one ad, and oh, it doesn't work. Then I either tweak that ad, but then 
you're tweaking, you don't have anything to compare it against. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, the way to do it is, and I'll talk about this a little bit later when we, we go for the Pinterest ads, because I recently started doing Pinterest ads and I put up a lot of highly, what I considered highly targeted ones, but not all of them work. So then the next thing you're going to go through is say, okay, well, this worked, this didn't work. It doesn't matter what doesn't work. All that matters is what works because you just stop spending money and you get your money back with the ones that do work. So it's kind of a shotgun uh, or like throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks and then start over and do it again. Yeah. So one thing when you say about paid ads is that it's an investment when you lose money at first. But then I think a lot of people are scared about, well, how much do you lose until you see the return, right? So when you started out, how much did you spend uh, kind of on the main platforms? Did you have like a stop loss for each platform or what was the kind of methodology? You know, it, it wasn't as scientific maybe as it should have been, but I, there's two things I'd say. The first is I'd recommend spending $5 a day, like starting tomorrow, starting tonight. That's the first thing is just, so just a small amount, something that, you know what, if you lost $5 a day, would it be the end of the world? No, it's worth the lessons you're going to learn. And that's what you got to keep in mind. It's not about uh, necessarily getting conversions right away. It's about figuring out how to get conversions. If you spend $100, and that was my benchmark, once I spent $100, if I didn't have a single conversion and or it didn't seem like a lot of uh, page, like uh, people were coming and viewing a lot of pages, I'd stop it. Now that that's variable. It could be different for everybody. And it's once again, it's not very scientific. It could be $20. I think actually, to be honest, when I first started out, it was probably $20 was my benchmark. And then I'd look at it and then you see, okay, well, this is working. It's not working. Or, you know what, maybe I want to lower my bid. Maybe I want to change what I'm doing up a little bit. But I recommend, especially when you're first starting out, look every couple days and see how many page views are people coming from this uh, doing, are they looking at, and then go from there. So you're saying $20 for one ad group or the entire ad campaign on one platform total? So $20 per keyword, for instance, if I'm doing AdWords, and then $20 per... Uh, demographic if I'm doing Facebook ads, but you can, so here's the key thing. There's no set in stone rules. There's, you look at it on an ongoing basis and you say, Hey, I think this is working. I think it's not. So for instance, with AdWords, let's say I picked a keyword and let's use my site as an example and say dance pants was one of the keywords I picked. And I look at it and I say, Hey, people coming from this keyword to my site are only on average looking at one page per visit. Uh, then I could probably say after $20, you know what, this isn't a very good keyword. Or maybe I say, oh, you know, this is a good keyword, but I have too many negative keywords that I should be adding that I haven't added yet. So you can use it as a barometer constantly, but I'd say give it $20 just to see and let it accumulate some time. Because the truth is the first you know, person or the first five people that come to your website doesn't mean like, let's say the first five people that come to your website from a given keyword are not at all interested in it. It doesn't mean the keyword's bad. You don't have a big enough sample size yet. So you can, the big, the big answer to your question is you can look constantly, but give it a little while to see if it's, is working or if you need to tweak it. Yeah. So there's no right dollar amount to get the right sample size. It's essentially what I was asking. Cause I know if you just spend like five visitors, you're not going to get the right data, but then how much do you spend where it's, enough to know that, hey, this is not working. Too. Listen to your gut a little bit. Like if you have a keyword that you think is going to work and it looks like it's working, then stick with it. If you have a keyword that you, you're kind of iffy about and then the data backs up the fact that it's not going to work, you know, cut it. I mean, don't get caught in the trap of thinking a, a keyword or a demographic is going to work and 
after a sufficient amount of data comes in showing it doesn't work, sticking with your initial thought. But I mean, it, there is a little bit of gut feeling involved here at first, at first. So once you iterate through the first process, how do you then make a new ad group or comparison metrics to take the next step? Well, so the big thing is test, test and test again, because the truth is you're not going to probably make money off AdWords at first unless you just have a great intuition. So what I do always, I mean, the first thing before I get into it, always be testing, split testing your copy or your image on Facebook and stuff like that. It's just, it's too easy to do not to be doing it. Like, so you need to be doing it. But what I'm a big fan of with AdWords, for instance, is adding negative keywords is a big one or splitting off your keywords. So let's say I started with the dance pants, like I talked about earlier, then you realize, well, okay, dance pants is actually a pretty commonly searched term. So maybe I should do uh, one keyword is jazz dance pants and another one as, you know, ballet dance pants or whatever and split those off. And then you can even further test the copy because someone searching for jazz dance pants is more likely to click on an ad that says, jazz dance pants and someone clicking for ballet dance pants is more likely to click on ballet dance pants. And I don't think ballet dance pants are a real thing, but you get the idea. Yeah, I wouldn't know because I never tried them before. I, I don't so. know either. Maybe it is a real <laughs> thing. I have no but, idea. I, we just don't, I don't target that yet. Yeah, but the, the key is to use modifiers is what these words are called. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the key is to, and it, it's the segment, it's smaller and smaller. And you can start out kind of broad if you want to, which actually, to be honest, I I don't advise at all. I start out being as specific and targeted as possible. For instance, if you sell um, bow ties, you would want to target keywords such as buy bow ties. If you sell really interesting polka dot bow ties, start out with keywords like buy polka dot bow ties because the chances of you losing money are a lot smaller if you're really specific and highly targeted. And you know, the other thing that that kind of brings up is you should have your funnel down really tight and by spending that money, it's going to motivate you to get your funnel down really tight. And what I mean by that is when people land on whatever landing page you have, how likely are they to buy it? And I bet you those insurance people paying $50 per click, their landing page is really good. So that might be a good place to look at. I guess enough uh, kind of uh, monkey business on the high level. So let's go into each platform a little bit. So today we're going to talk about six platforms, uh, PLAs, Facebook ads, retargeting, AdWords, Bing, and Pinterest ads. So I guess we're going to go through each platform uh, that Travis uses and then kind of how long did you take to learn that platform, uh, how long did you take to see ROI on that platform, uh, you know, the maintenance required right now, and would you have self-taught yourself as you did or would you have paid someone to do it for you? So I guess first one, uh, PLA. So how long have you been doing this for? I've been doing, I think I talked about it when I first started doing it on the show, but it's probably been about, it's probably been about six months now, maybe a little bit longer. And how long did it take you to kind of really nail down the ROI on this platform? PLAs are tough and not so much the ROI. So, okay, PLAs are by far on this list my favorite and it's tough to get started. To nail down the ROI, I'd say pretty much out of the gate, I had a relatively solid ROI as a whole. But like I talked about before, I threw up probably like four or 500 campaigns and I went through and eliminated some of them. And the way I did it, which I'm not going to talk too deep about was most of my campaigns were fairly similar, but I made like little tweaks here and there, but right out the gate, it was fairly profitable. And the reason is with product listing ads, it's a picture of an image that someone's searching for. So once again, dance pants, someone's searching for dance pants. It's a picture of dance pants with a price. Well, if someone's going to be clicking on that. They're probably interested in buying something, which means the conversion rate 
is going to be a lot better than your typical AdWords. And so how much maintenance do you do on PLAs right now? Oh, I don't touch it. I mean, most of these things, once I get it stabilized, I stop tinkering with it. And then maybe, you know, two, three months later, I revisit it or maybe one month. And at first I was constantly, you know, I was refreshing like 10 times a day looking at my numbers. And then over time, you get it down pretty solid. And I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule. And I realized I could keep making this more and more specialized. I could keep spending more and more time. But truth is, I probably get, you know, 80% of the value I can, probably 90% of the value I can out of these paid ads. And it's not worth spending the extra amount of time trying to nail it down super specifically. So you're better off spending it on another platform that can give you a bigger return. 100%. Just because it's kind of green. and Yeah, I mean, pretty much with product listing ads, I'd say, well, right out of the gate, I, w- I was lucky because I knew how to do the marketing in the first place. But right out of the gate, I was fairly profitable, like a fairly good ROI. Let's say, let's say an ROI of like 1.5. And then a, a month or two goes by and I've, I tinkered it a little bit and let's say I had like a, a 2x profitability and I, a couple months go by and I, I do it again and I get like a 2.2x profitability. And then I say, all right, well, I'm pretty happy with that ROI and let it go and then move on to the next platform. Gotcha. And then you can come back later since it's already up and running a couple months later. Exactly. And you have more data then too. All right, cool. And so PLAs, uh, what'd you move on to next? I'm, the next one I'm going to talk about, I mean, the first one I ever did was AdWords for sure, but the next one I'll talk about is Facebook ads. Just because this is another thing that's extremely powerful. And the cool thing about Facebook ads, for those that don't know, is you can target by demographic. You can target people that are 25 to 35 males that eat healthy, rock climb, and make over $75,000 a year. Which, if you're selling, for instance, like an energy product, like an energy supplement or something like that, that's probably a pretty good demographic for you. And there's no other way that I know of on the internet to have access to so many people in such a specific demographic. And the cool thing about Facebook ads too is then, so let's say you say have an energy supplement and you could do one ad that's targeted to people that rock climb and you can say, need more energy for rock climbing? Click here to buy this supplement or whatever. And then you could do the same thing for people that are interested in cycling. Need more energy for cycling? Click here to buy this supplement. So you're able to really niche down and say, all right, this is what I want. And then you can show, and this is like the specific demographic I want to advertise to. And then you can show an ad that will make those people be like, Hey, this ad is for me. And this is why Facebook is really creepy and also awesome at the same time. Um, I know there's like a CPC, CPM model. Which one did you choose and kind of how, how is that working out? I did. They have like an automated, um, or what is it? Optimized CPC kind of thing. And I basically just kind of let them run with it. And if I say, see, hey, they're charging me $2 per click or something like that, I stop it. Because AdWords always tries to hook you. They're like, oh, yeah, just use broad keywords and, you know, don't set a limit. And suddenly you have like a $10,000 bill. But Facebook, do they try to do this too? Or are they more kind of friendly with this kind of dynamic CPC stuff? Well, I saw an article that someone did that wasn't related to face or that wasn't associated with Facebook, I should say. And he basically said that he got better CPCs by doing the optimized CPC. I still send set like a max limit of $5 a day. If all of a sudden they're charging me five bucks per click, I'm going to stop it right away. And it's, it does tend to do that over time. Like at first your CPCs are super small. And then as your ad runs for a little while, for whatever reasons, I don't know if it's like a banner blindness, people get sick of seeing your ad, so they stop clicking, but the cost per click goes up and then I stop them. Gotcha. So it's like a built-in $5 limit for both that and the limit you want to stop. Yeah. And you also automatically, I think 
they tend to only run for two weeks. You can extend that if you want, or you can shorten it, but it's, it's really easy to make it so you can't lose a lot of money um, using Facebook ads. You're able to set parameters that'll say like boundaries, basically. Yeah. So one thing with Facebook is that there's so many targeting options. You can make so many ad groups. How should one start out? Like, cause do you start like 10 ad groups, 20 or like how many do you test to actually find out what's the direction to go in? Uh, it, it depends. You know, you could, even if you just want to do one, I'd recommend those starting with once again, like we did with AdWords, your highest, like most targeted people. So, you know, if you're selling that energy supplement, like I was talking about earlier, you'd probably want to target people 25 to 35 that eat healthy rock climb, make over $75,000 a year and like your competitors. And there's probably only going to be a thousand people in that demographic, but they're really likely to be interested in your product. You don't want to, I've seen so many people that start with Facebook ads and they're like, I want to target everybody that's interested in rock climbing. It's like, no, you don't because there's thousands, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people and your ad will be, it'll be a failure. So my recommendation basically bringing it back around is, I mean, at least one highly targeted ad and you can build from there. You can do four. It's not so important. I think the bigger important thing is testing it at first and getting over that fear of the new platform. Yeah. So it would be like, if you take us, for example, hey, I want to target people with online business. Like that's, that's ridiculous, right? Because you have copywriting, dropshipping, e-commerce, Amazon services, consultants, whatever. Whereas you go, hey, I want to target people that are on Shopify, BigCommerce, Volusion, Magento, WooCommerce. Uh, that also use Aweber, Mailchimp, whatever they use Zendesk, and then I want to send this to them. Then you're like, you're talking. Yeah, and you know, I think when I first started out, I only started with one demographic group because I was pretty confident it would convert. And then from there, it's like you you just naturally get more ideas because your wheels start spinning, and you're like, oh yeah, why didn't I think about this, this, and this? And I wouldn't be so concerned with oh, I should start with at least four. I mean, split test your image. You know, it's always a good idea to do that or split test your ad copy, but... Especially for the energy drink, we could say, hey, let's test 18 to 25, 25 to 35, and then see which one's more engaging and then cancel the other one. And then within that group, we can say, okay, 25 to 35 people that make A over 100K or under 100K. And then you can then keep doing that, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's move on to retargeting then. So when did you start doing this? I started doing it over last summer as well. And... Retargeting ads, I think we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but you need to be doing it at least for the people that are coming to your website and they get all the way to the checkout page and then don't buy. You need to retarget to those people because I've done it so many times where I find some little website, unless you're Amazon. I mean, I think yeah, Amazon even does it, but unless you're Amazon, people don't remember what your URL is. They're like, oh yeah, what was it? Was it cdancewear.com? Uh, you know, what was it? Balling leather? I don't remember. People that get all the way to your checkout page, but do not purchase, you should retarget to them. And what that means is wherever they go, they'll see your little banner that says, hey, uh, bdancer.com, don't forget about us. You should click here to shop from us. And a good percentage of those people will come back. Gosh, so you only hit the people that get to the shopping cart page for just for focus and not wasting time on people that anyone that comes to your site. You can't. And I, I recommend, so that's my thing. Everybody should be doing that. Like everybody. But the next step I would say, and this is where I'm at now is people that have gone to more than one page. So let's say three pages. So if they've gone on your homepage, they clicked on a category page and then they clicked a product page, they're probably relatively interested in your product. I mean, there's no reason to retarget people that go to your homepage 
click on a category page and leave because they're probably not super interested. And that's, I think, another thing. That's the next step is once you see that, hey, my website's fairly popular, fairly uh, profitable, then you start retargeting people that have gone to a couple pages. Yeah, that makes sense because if you're... So I think a lot of retargeting ads just hit everyone as soon as you've been to the site. If you look at like most sites with like a bounce rate of say, I don't know, 40%, 60%, that's a huge waste of money if you're just throwing it at people as soon as they hit your site because half of them aren't even staying there after they go to your site. Yep, and when I first started, that's what I did and I kicked myself because I got so many people that, I got a lot of people click, people will click on anything on the internet first off. So don't waste your money. Don't target people that are not really that interested because I'd get people clicking on my ad, going to my website and bouncing again. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why would you waste my money? But to them, they don't even realize it. They're just like, hey, there's a banner. That looks pretty. I'm going to click on it. Oh, this is a stupid website. I'm out. I mean, you can't, bl- you can't blame them because it's your website isn't either something's wrong on their website or they're just not the right people. Yeah. And that's true. I know. But it, it hurts me. Like now when I'm surfing the internet and there's a company a company has an ad and I like the company, I'll make sure I don't click the ad because I'm like, I don't want to waste that dollar of yours. Yeah, well, even if ones that I don't like, I'll actually say, I'll actually say, I don't want to see this ad and give them some feedback. Hey, your targeting is off or something like that. Or Because I, like, I don't want them to waste money too. Although it may look, maybe look like a dick, but. The retargeting ads, I mean, like I said, just start at least with the people that got all the way to your checkout page and didn't purchase. Don't, I, nine times out of 10, there's no reason to retarget people that have already purchased. You already have their email. They already know about your site. They got an email from you confirming it. They're about to get a package from you. Why Why show them ads everywhere they go? I think that's just annoying. Yeah, the way to do this is you, you tag them on the checkout page and then you there's a thank you page that you don't tag them in. Basically. They get tagged as soon as they come to my website, but then if they go to three pages, minimum, then when I start showing, like I put them in the group of people that's okay. But before what I had, it was, there's a tag on all, actually, I think there's a tag on all pages of my website, but if, and I was using AdRoll, if they go to my checkout page, then I show them ads. But if they go to my thank you page, I take them off the list of showing ads. I don't, you know, I want to look into Google retargeting. And part of the reason is I found with AdRoll that I was spending too much money with Facebook ads for sure. Don't do the retargeting through ad roll for Facebook ads. At least that was my experience. And so I'm wondering if the same thing's going to be true for Google, Google display ads, but I just haven't gone around to doing it yet. And I'm not spending a lot of money on ret- a lot of money on retargeting. So it's not super high priority for me, but I, I'm going to eventually test out with just Google retargeting ads. So let's just briefly go over AdWords then. So we've talked about this before in some previous episodes, but just to give a quick refresher, uh, what are your thoughts? AdWords is a marketer's dream. That's my opinion. It's you're able to not just target your audience based on you know their demographics. You're able to say exactly what someone is searching for. And we talked about it a little earlier in this episode, but you know when you're first starting out, target as specifically as possible and things such as like buy whatever your item is or you know buy if maybe you sell really interesting bow ties buy interesting bow ties or buy fashionable bow ties stuff like that be creative about it because if you're not creative chances are you're competing against a lot of people so be as creative as possible i used i was using adwords before i started with this cuz before before i had an e-commerce store cuz before i had an e-commerce store i was actually doing like some affiliate type stuff and i love the data that you can get it's so easy to use the data you can get is 
amazing. You were able to see everything that you could possibly want to see. I mean, back in the day, they used to do direct marketing based on like sending letters to people and they were able to make that profitable. The analytics when you're sending letters to people is pretty almost, I mean, it exists, but it's so crappy compared to modern day analytics. So you have so many advantages as a marketer in the modern day. And AdWords is really easy to use. So I recommend at least looking and thinking about how you can use it. One thing, the next one that's interesting is Bing ads. And this one, no one really talks about this, at least in the circles that I hang out with. So what's your experience with this? So I'm going to kind of agree with a lot of the people that you talk in your circles with. But basically what I do with Bing ads is just copy over my AdWords campaigns pretty much exactly. I mean, you can test it a little bit on what works, what doesn't work. But I guess my big advice would be if you Google Bing auto tagger, it'll tag all your, all your campaigns, all your keywords, everything, all the links going to your website so that in Google analytics, you can look through and you can use it because if you just click on the import from Google button, it'll import from Google. And then in your analytics, it'll say, this is from Bing ads. And you're like, well, that's not a lot of information, but if you do the auto tagging thing, you'll be able to see, oh, this campaign and this keyword is what got them over here. That's funny. Microsoft's platform is just a copycat of AdWords, but <laughs> no one finds value in it that they're willing to use analytics to just get the data too. So it's kind of funny. But does it actually like do good sales? Are you getting good page views off this or, or is it just something you do because it's cheap? and Pretty much that. I, I can look at it right now, but basically... It's all right. It's not, I, I don't see it as good. It, basically, there's not as much traffic as there is on Google. That's the big thing. And I mean, I'm definitely profitable. I'm looking at it right now and I have like 3x, not ROI, but like for every dollar I spend, I get $3 in revenue. But I, just, I, don't, I just don't know anyone that's crushing it with Bing ads. Like I've never heard someone who's doing that. You know, and that might be a good reason to spend a lot of time looking at how to crush it because there's probably not a lot of competition. A lot of the advice I've been given is like, oh, just do broad keywords and just hope for the best. But I think, let's see, the amount of traffic I have on Bing ads is like a fourth of what it is coming from Google AdWords and it's the exact same campaign. No, it's actually... It's about a 10. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking of a quarter is actually a lot of traffic for Google traffic to be on. No, Bing. so I've, I got about 2,000 people coming from uh, Google CPC AdWords. And I've got, but that also includes product listing ads. And product listing ads doubled the amount of traffic I have. And I have about 360 coming from Bing. So it is probably about a quarter if you get rid of the product listing ads. All right, cool. So I guess Bing, you know, we don't have much to talk about. Um, kind of autopilot thing to do. Uh, what about uh, Pinterest? This is a kind of new one we talked about just a few weeks ago. I know they just rolled out the ad platform. Uh, you've tried a little bit. So what have you, your experience? Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this. It's, I mean, it wasn't a great experience. It actually brings up a lot of interesting points about paid advertising in general, talking about Pinterest ads because I'm new to it. So I'm, you know, I'm experiencing this all over again. So what I did is I took all my products and the way it works is you pick. So if someone's searching on B or Pinterest for a certain thing, so people search, for instance, for me, dance pants, and I want to advertise a pair of my dance pants on the list of pins that show up when someone searches for that keyword. And what I found first off is I put up about, I think, 13 different ads and each ad was a different product. And I tried to highly target it. Uh, before we get into this, when you bid for an ad, does it show up on the top like how AdWords does or does it show up in a board when someone's in there? Like, I'm not sure on the dynamics. Okay, yeah. So w when someone searches, it only so shows up on the search and it doesn't show up on the top. It shows up like somewhere randomly 
uh, in there. And it does say a little thing like this is advertised, but it's not nearly as obvious as it is with Google. What, what are ads and what are not ads? So I put up about 13 different ad groups and only now that I'm looking at the data right now, and I'm probably only going to keep like two or three of them. And from there, I might go back through and try to target it even more specifically. Right out the gate, I tried to target as specific as I, I could. You know, I tried to do things like instead of just doing, for instance, we sell high waist dance shorts. Instead of just saying high waist shorts, I did high waist dance shorts because people looking for high waist shorts could be looking for jean shorts or whatever. But it's still, I did not get, I got, I think one conversion out of spending like $250 and some decent page views for some of my keywords, but not great page gotcha. views. So is this something you're going to keep going with or what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to probably end up stopping about 10 of my campaigns, but I'm going to probably keep about three of the campaigns and something else to keep in mind, the way that Pinterest works is you only pay if they click through to your website. You don't pay if they pin it to their board. So that's something that to keep in mind is that someone might pin it to their, someone might click through to your website, be like, oh, this is interesting, pin it to their board, and then go back later to actually purchase it. Gotcha. Then, and once they're on your board, anyone else that sees it, it's kind of like free advertising in some ways too. And that's the, that's the other reason why I was so interested in it from the beginning. But here's another thing, and this is something... I was reminded of using Pinterest ads. So one of my ads, I've gotten about, one of my ads just outperforms all my other ads, like 6X, like way more people click through. I've had about 281 people click through from one of my ads to my website compared to my next second highest one was 50 people. So with that ad, it's not, it doesn't look like it's profitable. But what I can do is I can lower the CPC. So right now my CPC is like 40 cents. I can say, no, 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 you know what? 25 cents is my maximum. And I'm still probably going to get, you know, in the last month I've gotten about 280 people. In the next month, if I lower my bid to about 25 cents, I'm still going to probably get at least 100. So it's worth playing with those numbers. Just because a campaign doesn't look like it's working doesn't mean throw it out. It just means lower the bid to the point where it would work for you. Very cool. So uh, I guess that's it for Pinterest. So today uh, we also have a ninja tip on getting EDU links. And so credit again to Fred at Tortuga Backpacks for letting us uh, share this tip. Yeah, this is the coolest thing I've heard in a long time. So basically what you do is you offer a scholarship to people going to college that might somehow be related to what you're doing. So for him, he's a thousand dollar scholarship for people to, I believe, study abroad for a year. And what happens is you tell all the different universities, by the way, I have this scholarship opportunity. And what are they going to do? They're going to link to it from their website so that their students or prospective students can get that scholarship. And there you have it. A great way to get links. And you know what? It's also, since he's in the travel niche, like people who are interested in travel will be like, oh, who is this company that's sponsoring a scholarship? Oh, they sell travel bags. And you're getting traffic for that too. So you're probably making your money back if the distribution has all set up correctly on a thousand bucks. Oh, absolutely. I think with me specifically, I'm going to definitely contact every dance department uh, of every major college in the United States and tell them, hey, by the way, we have this scholarship. And what does that do? One, it tells them that we exist. And then two, they're more likely to want to do business with us because they're like, oh, wow, these people support the community, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we get a link, hopefully. I mean, there's no reason they wouldn't want to help their students make money. Yeah, but even then, just getting on the radar of schools and relative, 
you know, things like that, it's probably worth it in general just because they see your site. Some, someone's probably going to buy if the traffic's there. Absolutely. So that was an awesome tip. Thank you, Fred, so much. I'm so excited like when I get back from Asia. And it's going to be perfect time because when I get back from Asia, it's going to be about middle of March when people are starting to think about college and scholarships. So I'm going to definitely be hitting this hard. Awesome. Very cool. So that's it for this episode. Uh, Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.